John chapter 1, verse 43, it says, The next day Jesus decided to go away to Galilee, where he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Someone say, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the man about whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael asked him, Out of Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Philip told him, Come and See, out of Hayward, can anything good come out of Dakota? Can anything good come out of San Leandro? Can anything good come out of Newark? Can anything good come out of Fremont? Can anything good come out of the valley? Come and see. Tell your neighbor before you're seated, where are you from? Then you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. You guys rocked it today. Didn't the worship team do a great job today? They did an awesome, awesome job uh, here today, especially singing songs that are not uh, exactly their native language. But nevertheless, they still moved with it, rocked with it. Come on, somebody. Bringing that Afrikaans and that Latino America. I love that right there, whenever we have that. Some years ago, my father spoke a message entitled, Where in the World is Hayward? At the end of the message, he says, the world is going to find out. Now, when you listen to that message, he comes from the uh, situations of the Thessalonian church. And he talks about the cry that the Thessalonian church had to hear. That's where he came from. That was the basis of his message, the foundation. Where in the world is Hayward? Can you hear the cry? Can you hear what is going on? And it was he was sharing about, can the church hear it? And it is our job to hear that cry. Listen, we are coming into a, a campaign of I Heart My City. I want to share with you here this morning. Can you hear the cry of your city? Can you hear the cry that is going out there? Can you hear the cry from the high schools, from the junior highs? Can you hear the cry from the barn stations, from under the bridges? Can you hear the cry that is happening in your city? Because if you can... It's time to respond. It's time to respond. When uh, myself and my wife, when we had our first child uh, back in 2007, my son had this thing. Uh, uh, I can't remember the exact term for it, but I want to say it was colic. In other words, where the baby just kept crying and crying and crying and would not stop crying. Uh, did anybody else, any other parents have that with any of your children where they just couldn't stop crying for nothing? No? Okay, so a few of you did. So you understand. It was just only my first son. My other three were perfect. Amen? Yeah, right. But my first one, he was crying and crying and crying. And we tried everything. We couldn't stop him for nothing. But you know what I found? Is that when we were at this point, a breaking point within our parenting, my son, who was maybe, I want to say, nine months old, ten months old, he kept crying and crying and crying. We tried to do everything. We gave him the bottle. We tried this. Let's do that. Okay, put him on his back. No, put him on this. Play, play the music louder. Do the vacuum. Do something. Do anything to stop the crying. You know what I did? 
And I tried this because we were at, at wit's end. We were just done. This is what I did. I sat, or I, I won't say sat, I laid down with my son, and I just held him. And I held him. Not for a half hour, not for an hour. You have my, I, I held him for hours. Just held him while he cried. While he cried. And this was already hours after he couldn't stop crying. I just held him. And I laid there on the bed just holding him. Just like that. And as I lay there holding him, hearing, and if you've ever heard the cry of a child, it's very irritating. Right? So you look at pictures, pictures don't move. You go, oh, look how cute they are. Yeah, but you don't hear that cry. Pictures don't move. But when you're actually face to face, heart to heart, chest to chest, ear to ear, nose to nose with that baby, you start thinking, what else can I do? You know what I found? And the Lord said, just sit there. Just lay there. And just let him feel you. So I laid there for a couple hours until he stopped crying. Now you're probably saying, well, Pastor, what are, what are you saying? I'm saying this, is that our city has been crying out. And many of us, we've just been avoiding it, or we've been tr trying to just remedy it. Here, here, just have this. Here's a couple dollars. Just do this. I don't know. Just, just get out of here. I don't want to hear your cry. But you know what I have found? In order for that cry to stop, they need to hear our heartbeats. They need to hear the heartbeat of God. They need to hear what God has put inside of Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay. Listen, it's not by accident that we're, uh, we're called Victory Outreach Heart. God has given this church a vision, given us a mission. He has given us a great commission. And it is up to us to hear the cry and go out there and let them feel the heartbeat of God. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. That God is raising up a disciples in this generation to go out there and hear the cry of God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20, it says, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Be strong and courageous. Listen, my friend, even in your weakest times, be strong and courageous. I can't take it. The cry is too loud. Be strong and courageous. I don't have the remedy. I don't have enough money. I, I don't know it. I don't have enough education. My friend, be strong and courageous. God's not looking for what you have, he's looking to put himself inside of you so that he can do what he's always been calling you to do. See, a lot of times we think it's, well, it's our education. I need this. I got to have that. No, my friend, be strong and courageous and do the work. Tell your neighbor, be strong and courageous. See, it's very important that you and I at this time, if we're going to love our city, that we have to be strong and courageous. Somebody say strong. A lot of times, what we do, and maybe not you, but I've done, I look at my weaknesses, and I say, well, because I'm weak in this area, what good am I to them? What good am I to them? I want you to know something. If there's a Goliath in front of you, you know what that means? That means that there's a David inside of you. So if you look and say, well, I can't do that, don't look at Goliath. Look at the David. Look at what's inside of you. Even your greatest weakness can become your greatest, greatest strength. Take this for example. There was a story of a 10-year-old boy who decided to study judo despite the fact that he had lost his left arm at a devastating car accident. True story. The boy began lessons with an old Japanese judo master. The boy was doing well, so he couldn't understand why after three months of training, the master had taught him only one move. Sensei, the boy finally said, shouldn't I be learning more moves? The sensei replied, 
This is the only move you know, but it's the only move you'll ever need to know. Not quite fully understanding, but believing in his teacher, the boy kept training. Several months later, the sensei took the boy to his first tournament, and surprising himself, the boy easily won his first two matches. The third match proved to be more difficult, but after some time, his opponent became impatient and charged. The boy deftly used his one move to win the match. Still amazed by his success, the boy was now in the finals. But this time, his opponent was bigger, stronger, and even more experienced. For a while, the boy appeared to be overmatched. Concerned that the boy might get hurt, the referee called a timeout. He was about to stop the match when the sensei intervened. No, the sensei said. Let him continue. Soon after the match resumed, his opponent made a very critical mistake. He had dropped his guard. Instantly, the boy used his move to pin him. The boy had won the match and even won the tournament. He then became the champion. On the way home, the boy and the sensei reviewed every move in each and every match. The boy then summoned the courage to ask what was really on his mind. Sensei, the boy asked, how did I win the tournament with only one move? You won for two reasons, the sensei answered. First, you've almost mastered one of the most difficult throws in all of judo. And second, the only known defense for that move is for your opponent to grab your left arm. The boy's biggest weakness became his biggest strength. He didn't have a left arm. He had no arm. He only had one arm. And the enemy couldn't figure out how to get that one arm. The enemy could not figure out what the master had been teaching him. Listen, my friend, the enemy cannot figure out what the master has been trying to teach you. Even though you may think, well, I don't have all this education. I don't have all the money. My friend, don't look for the winning and for the championship and the money and the education. My friend, God has been trying to put it inside of you this whole time. And your greatest weakness can become your greatest strength. Your greatest weakness can become your greatest strength. Well, what am I saying? I'm saying this. We are here in the city of Hayward. It's a small city. It's a very small city. Matter of fact, whenever you travel and whenever I travel, I always get this one question. Wherever I go, I've been on cruises. I've been in, in different areas of the world. I've been in Spain, the Philippines, Africa, South Africa. And wherever I go, they look at me, and the very first question they ask me is, where are you from? Where are you from? And you know what I tell them? I go, I'm from Hayward. They go, where? Well, I've never, never heard of that. And so I tell them, I go, well, I'm from, I'm from Hayward, you know, California, United States. Oh, United States. True story. I was there in South Africa. And I, I told them, yeah, I'm from uh, Hayward there in California. They go, oh, America, do you know 50 Cent? True story. Uh, I got two quarters. Yeah. I was in the Philippines. And I went to the Philippines. And, they, they you know, they kind of saw me. And they seen when I was talking, you know, American. They go, oh, Philam, Philam. And wherever you go, if you go to the Philippines, there's like a basketball court like every 20 steps. Now, when I mean basketball court, I don't mean a, it's a court, but the hoop is a crate, like everywhere you go. And so I'd be walking by, and I'd walk down there, and they'd go, oh, Philam, Philam. True story. They come up, oh, you know Michael Jordan? 
Jordan? No, but I have some shoes. You know, like, oh, like for whatever reason, they think when they see me, that's what they thought. Oh, you know, Fifty Cent. Oh, you know, Michael Jordan. Oh, I was in the East Coast in 1998, and you know, I was in Washington. Matter of fact, it was Washington D.C. And never forget, we're out there witnessing, hitting the streets, and I started talking with one of the guys. He goes, "Hey, where are you from?" I said, "Well, I'm from, I'm from California." He goes, "Where's your gold?" Gold. He goes, yeah, I thought everybody in California had gold. Um, no. Got a fake watch, though, if you want to, you know. In other words, when you say where you're from, people automatically think of a certain face or they think of a certain understanding whenever you say where you're from. So when I say I'm from Hayward, they go, where's that? Never heard of the place. So what I always have to do is I always have to say, I'm from the Bay Area. They go, oh, E-40. So I always say I'm from California. And so I was doing a little bit of research, and I kind of was laughing a little bit because the way they, they view California. Here are the top five reasons you know you're from California. Say, oh, this is pretty cool. I actually kind of like this. Top five reasons you know you're from California. Number one reason is you make over $300,000 a month and you still can't afford a house. You're from California. Number two reason, gas costs a dollar per gallon more than anywhere else in the United States. I hate that that's true. Number three reason you know you're from California you act all tough whenever there's an earthquake. 5.0, pff, that's nothing. I've been in a 7.5. Number four reason you know you're from California, a really great parking space can totally move you to tears. Oh, I got in the very front of the movie theater, yes. It's mine. You ever parked right there on B Street? Is that I drive there on B Street always praying, I want that spot. I want that spot. One time I actually got that spot. I didn't leave my car for five minutes. It's the greatest parking spot ever right here. I love it. Number five reason, it's barely sprinkling rain, and there's a report on every news station, Stormwatch. It's California for you. And then I would add number six. They only gave me the five, but I like, no, I'm going to add, I added number six. Number six is because the best burrito in America is in California. Yeah. If you've never been there, come see me. I will take you to heaven on earth. You think I'm playing. It's actually really good, and I've taken some people there. That's how you know you're from California. Tell your neighbor, where are you from? In John chapter 1, verse 43 and 44, we see the Bible saying Philip was from Bethsaida. Somebody say Bethsaida. The word Beth means house, and Seda means hunt. Philip was from a house of hunters. That's where he was from. It means something. In other words, when you say where you're from, there is meaning to that a word. There is meaning to that phrase. There's meaning to that city. In Bethsaida, 
the pyramids were built in Egypt, and this city was first rose on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee near the Jordan River. It was a seaport, a center of Jewish learning, a major crossroads of the ancient world, home to the Christian apostles and site of many of Jesus' miracles. In other words, things were happening in Bethsaida. If you lived where there was a seaport, then you kind of get the best and the worst of both worlds. That's kind of how it is, a seaport city. In other words, like San Francisco, right? A lot of people travel in and a lot of people go out. When you go to the city, you ask people, hey, where are you from? I'm from Germany. I'm from here. I'm from well, you get a lot of tourists. Bethsaida was a city like that. So when they when they talk about uh, Philip, Philip was from a big city. Somebody say big city. Jesus went looking for Philip. Jesus then tells Philip, follow me. Philip then goes and looks for Nathaniel. Somebody say Nathaniel. Nathaniel was just a regular church-going person from a small little place. Not a big deal. At least I go to church. I'm cool. Not a big issue. Didn't really experience Christ for who he really was, but he was invited by somebody else. He had the he said, she said experience. In other words, he didn't talk to Christ, but somebody else told him about Christ. There is not a lot of study about Nathaniel, even as a disciple. But many theologians believe him to be the disciple of Bartholomew. Not much about him, much like Peter and even John. He just seems like a normal man who was a fisherman who decided to follow his friend Philip who followed Jesus. Nathaniel was just a regular person. There's not much said about this, but God always knew what he was doing with Philip and even knew what he was doing with Nathaniel, or as I like to call him, Nate dog. Nathaniel, Nathan, was a model disciple. Yet he didn't believe that anything good can come from something so bad. See, what I've learned is that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. A lot of times, a lot of people look at the question, and many people believe that it was actually not a negative question, but a positive one. It could have been a positive question. What good can come from there? Maybe something good can come from there. A lot of people take it with the undertone of he was looking down upon it. But nevertheless, however he was looked at, the question was still asked, and it was a genuine question. What good can come from there? John chapter 1, verse 46, gives that question. What good thing can come from Nazareth? The word good in the Greek means agathos or benefit. Benefit is something that promotes or enhances a well-being or an advantage. Somebody say advantage. See, an advantage is much like when, uh, when you and I, if ever you played kickball. Did you guys ever play kickball when you were a kid? Right? And what you do is when you, you get your teams together, right, you get this captain and you get this captain. And the captains then begin to choose. Okay, everybody against the fence. I choose you. Okay, you choose, okay, you choose him. You choose him. And then one captain always does this. We used to have this one kid. For whatever reason, he never came out on time for recess. Never came out on time for recess. He was always late. However, as the captain, okay, I pick this guy, I pick this guy, and then I'll wait for the other captain. Okay, you pick him. And then all of a sudden, I never forget, I would go, I'm going to pick Kenny. And they go, Kenny's not here, I know. But when he gets here, he's on my team. And the other team right away would go, oh, man, I wanted Kenny. I wanted him. Why? Because the moment you say the name Kenny, that's an advantage. 
There's a benefit to what this guy, he's not even there, but wherever he's at, he's going to bring a benefit to your team. When they said the word Nazareth, who cares? He's no Kenny. No big deal. You can have Nazareth. Nothing good can come from that. You can have Hayward. What's the big deal about that? You have it. Nothing good can come from there. See, there was no benefit to the word Nazareth. Somebody say benefits. If you do a little research here on Nazareth, Nazareth was a city that did not point to a powerful setting of the Messiah. Matter of fact, Nazareth was a small and insignificant village during the period of Jesus. While it was the site settled during the period of 600 and 900 B.C., it was too small to be included in the list of settlements in Joshua chapter 19 under the tribe of Zebulon, which mentions 12 towns and 6 villages. Nazareth is not included among the 45 cities in the city of Galilee that were mentioned by the Jewish historian, and the name is even missing from 63 towns in Galilee mentioned in the Talmud. The Talmud is the rabbi's conversations or the commentary, and Nazareth is not even mentioned in the Talmud. They didn't even have that name. So it's needless to say that the people of Judea had never heard of Nazareth. Now, when you read the story of Jesus dying on the cross in John chapter 19, it says right here, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. So maybe, just maybe, what he was doing was saying, Jesus of nowhere, the king of nothing. Look at his Nazareth, who cares? Never heard of it, never want to hear of it. Nazareth is no big deal to me. Nothing good can come from there. See, I personally know that same feeling whenever I travel, and just like what happened here. See, everybody knew about Bethlehem. Oh, Bethlehem, that's a major city. Nazareth, no big deal. When I travel and I say, hey, I'm from Hayward. Hayward, where's that at? San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know San Francisco. Everybody knows where that's at, but nobody knows where Hayward's at. Where in the world is Hayward? What good can come from Hayward? See, Nazareth was a seemingly insignificant. Nothing originated from there, and nothing will come from there. Why would you even mention that city? It has no importance. Now, coming for a landing right here. What I did was I did a little bit of research on the history of Hayward, California. Now, some of you, you may know the history, and some of you may not. I've been here practically all my life, and even when I did some research, there's a couple things I didn't even know about Hayward. I was tripping out. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. It's kind of got me right here. So I'm going to give you a little bit of history of Hayward. Can I give that for you right now? Be a little bit just of history. Hayward is the sixth largest city in the Bay Area. Did you know that? It's the sixth largest city. It's the third largest in the Alameda County. Hmm. All right. William Dutton Hayward arrived during the gold rush, and he squatted this city. He squatted this city. And he started building a house and next to the creek at the site of the old Palomares School. I don't know where the Palomares School is. Isn't there a street, Palomares, or something like that? It's around here, right? I don't even know. I'm not sure, but um, old Palomares School. Guillermo Castro, who founded the city, Castro Valley. What happened was Guillermo Castro's cowboys came 
came by one day and they told Hayward to get off of Castro's property. William left but went to Guillermo Castro directly and asked him to buy a piece of the land. Castro sold him the area of what is east of Castro Street, which is now Mission Boulevard and north of A Street. William Hayward built a grand hotel on the property. He and his wife ran it, which eventually it burned to the ground. Hayward was originally known as Haywards. Did you know that? It was known as Haywards. And then it was known as Haywood. Crazy, huh? Then it got known as Haywood. Then it went back to Haywards, and now it's known as Hayward. Now, there's a little bit of, you know, disagreement on actually how the name came about, but that was kind of a little bit of how it originated with William Hayward. This is what I found out to be very interesting. Look at this one. Hayward was briefly considered the new home of the New York Giants baseball team in 1957. Did you know that? But then San Francisco stole them. Think about that. We would be the Hayward Giants. I thought that was cool. See, that's, uh, that's the anointing that you should all be Giants fans right there. They were going to come here. They were coming from New York to Hayward. The Leadership Charter School. You know we have a Leadership Charter School? It's a public school, matter of fact. The Leadership Charter Public School is ranked number two in the state of California. Pretty heavy. Pretty good, right? I know Joanne knows that. Come on, somebody. That's, that's number two in the state. I thought that was pretty cool. You know who is from Hayward? Bill Walsh is from Hayward. Bill Walsh is the legendary San Francisco 49er head coach who many consider is the greatest coach of all time. He was a running back for Hayward High. Not bad. All right. This one, I don't know if you know this guy, but his name is Max Bauer. He was a professional boxer in the 1930s. In the 1930s, he was the heavyweight champion of the world, born in Hayward. This is pretty interesting. Private France Silva, he was born in Hayward. He was the first United States Mexican-American Marine to receive the Medal of Honor. Born in Hayward. There's a figure skater. I remember watching her. Her name was Christy Yamaguchi. Do you guys remember her? Christy Yamaguchi. She was born in Hayward. She's the 1992 Olympic gold medalist, a two-time world champion, and a 1992 U.S. champion. Born in Hayward. I feel like skating now. Many of you know this guy, Andre Ward. Andre Ward, as an amateur, he won the gold medal in the light heavyweight division in 2004 Olympics. He is a two-weight world champion and as of May 2017, considered the best boxer in the world. Pound for pound by the Ring Magazine and even the transnational boxing rankings, he is also ranked as the world's best light heavyweight by the Ring and Box Rec. Andre Ward from Hayward, California. Come on, get, get along. He's a Christian, too. Love that. I love that right there. He actually testified here at our church uh, a while ago. Matter of fact, 
his father was in our men's home. And then he was actually in my youth group for a number of years, him and his brother. And so, Andre, keep him in prayer because I believe God has great things on the horizon for him as well. Amen? An Oscar-winning actor. This one, I don't even know how to pronounce his name right. But his name is Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali. I'm trying to get your facial reactions right now because you're like, huh? Huh? He was born in Oakland, but he went to Mount Eden High School. And he played on the basketball team. Now, this is where you're going to know him. He just won the Academy Award for the Best Supporting Actor in the movie Moonlight. Moonlight. He's been in Moonlight. He was in the House of Cards. He's a, he's a very prominent actor, uh, uh, African-American actor. And he, actually, he took Mount Eden to the state division title. If you don't know who he is, you're probably Googling right now. Mahershala, Mahershala. Ali, all right, Ali. Just Born in Oakland, but went to school here in Hayward. Also, another Oscar-winning actor. Look at this. We got a lot of Oscar winners. This is pretty good right here. Tom Hanks was born in Concord, but went to community college here at Chabot College in Hayward. And here at Chabot College is where he started his acting career. Started right here in Hayward, California. Another professional wrestler and even actor. <clears throat> I need to keep all the ladies calm here. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. All right, you Baywatch fans, chill out here. He was born in Hayward. And uh, true story, I was actually on, on Jackson Street uh, back in 2002, and I seen this big old Hummer pull up. I was getting gas right there at the Arco, and I seen this big old dude get out. And if you know Jackson, the gas station has two uh, parts to the gas station. I seen this guy, I go, man, that's a big guy right there. And I'm looking, I'm putting gas, I go, Nah, that can't be The Rock. Is that The Rock? This is before he was Dwayne Johnson. Is that The Rock? So I, I, I remember I, I Googled or I searched it real quick on, the, on what I had, and I looked, I go, oh, man, he was born in Hayward. So I go, man, I got to go witness to him. So I go in, and I, I'm looking for flyers, and I get out, and he's gone. I go, oh, man. You know what I found out? He was actually raised up by a Christian mother. He was raised Christian. He knows the principles of God. Actually, I was listening, uh, watching, and uh, reading an interview. Excuse me, reading an interview. He has Christian values to himself, and he fully understands what it is. That's why uh, he doesn't share it a whole lot, but he gives a lot. He's a giver, and he attributes that to his mother, who gave him Christian values. Who knows? Maybe one day, we might smell what the rock is cooking. In the heart of the bay. Who knows? I'm just saying. Just saying. All the ladies are like, oh, I'm praying right now. We're going to pray. In the name of Jesus. Father, right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you are the rock who sends the rock. Oh, hallelujah. The Oakland Raiders head coach, Jack Del Rio, is a graduate from Hayward High School. 
Wow. All the Raider fans should have been clapping right there. Like, that was, that was your opportunity. Hey, we're high. That's crazy, huh? That is crazy. Some of you probably even remember him when he, you know, ran around. And I guess he was a two-sport athlete, and he was very good in all of them. So all these people, as I was looking, I said, man, there's a lot of things that have come, a lot of people that have come from Hayward. A lot of great stuff has come from Hayward. But guess what? All that fades in comparison to what God has been bringing up and raising up here in the city of Hayward. Those are the physical things. Those are the physical accolades. But I believe that God wants to raise up great men and women from this city like never, ever before. God loves this city, not because of the actors and the professional writers, but because of the greatness of the men and women that are already in this city. We don't have to get highlighted. What good can come from Nazareth? Don't worry about it. Greatness is inside of here already. There's greatness in Hayward. See, there's men that have already impacted the world that nobody's ever seen on the news, but they impacted the world when they came from Hayward. You know who came from Hayward? Pastor Daniel Aranda came from Hayward. Powerful man of God. Came right here. Grew up on the streets of Dakota, but God brought him out and said, hey, I'm bringing you to Hayward. God raised them up. Went out there. He traveled all over the world as a missionary. Then he went to the city of Vallejo, and he passed away. Died fighting for the cause of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the first pastor that went to Vallejo was Pastor Dominic Cuevas, the very first one from Hayward. Matter of fact, the first convert from this church was Dominic and Linda. Right here from Hayward, drug addicts, alcoholics, domestic violence, they were all messed up. They were the neighbors to my parents. My parents went over there back in 1981, knocked on the door, and told them, hey, we just want you to know we're starting a church. Dominic had a beer in his hand and a cigarette in his mouth. I said, church? I want nothing to do with no church. You can take that church and get it out of here. The next day, he was in that church. The next day, God did a miracle within his life. Great things could come from Hayward. You know another great person from Hayward who's actually out there in the Philippines? Pastor Christian Wilson. He's out there in the Philippines even right now doing a powerful work in San Pedro Laguna. He's, he, he's even in another city that some of you never heard of, San Pedro. San Pedro, I never heard of San Pedro. Laguna, where is that? Never heard of it. Don't worry. You don't have to hear about the city. Just know that God is doing greatness through those men, those men and those women. There's greatness that is happening. Even right now, he's not here, but Pastor William Young, he's right. He's from Hayward. He's, right, he's out there in Cape Town, South Africa. You know what I love about Pastor Will? Because Pastor Will, he even talks about it, how he's up there in age. Pastor Will's a grandfather. You think, well, I'm done. <sighs> you talk to him, he's like, I'm just getting started. Matter of fact, you know what I love about it? Pastor Will and Dana, they went out there to direct the home. In just a little bit, they started a victory center, but in just a little bit, they're going to be starting their very own church at Hanover Park. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for that. You know who else is out there in Cape Town? Pastor Chucky Lopez. Pastor Chucky Lopez is out there. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for that. A man that actually grew up in Fremont but came over here to Hayward. I said, you know what? Get on over here. 
Matter of fact, you come here with your friend Anthony, and we're going to do some great things here in the city of Hayward, some powerful things here in the city of Hayward. You know who else came from Hayward? Pastor Steve Pineda. Pastor Steve Pineda came from Hayward as well. You know who else is from Hayward? Gina, Beverly, Toby, Geronimo, Aldrin, Christian, Manny, George, Greg, Art. Like, see, what you're seeing is you might be missing it, and I don't want you to miss the greatness of what God has been trying to build while you're here. See, whenever you travel and people ask you, where are you from? And you say Hayward. Right away they look at you and go, where's that? Can anything good come? From Concord, Oakland. Anything good come from San Leandro. Anything good come from Castro, Va Castro Valley. What good is that? Never heard of it. Can anything good come from Daly City, Redwood? I've never heard of those places. San Francisco, yeah, I heard of San Francisco. I never heard of South City. Isn't South, that's not even a city. South City. It's just a city with South on it. When they asked about that, can anything good come from Nazareth? They were saying it and taking it in a way that could have been negative. What good can come from there? Ain't nothing good from there. There's nothing good out of that city. Nothing powerful about that city. But you know what made Jesus a powerful man? It wasn't where he was from. What made him is that wherever he traveled, he carried this anointing. He carried this movement. You know what the Bible says that he carried? He always carried compassion. So he didn't carry, I'm from Hayward, and Hayward is going to, I'm from Nazareth, and Nazareth is going to change this place. No, it was never Nazareth that changed the city. Never, Nazareth didn't heal nobody. Nazareth didn't touch and raise the, the, the dead. Nazareth didn't do that. It's what he carried. It's what he carried. See, these men that I even mentioned, Dominic and Daniel and all these different men and Pastor Steve and, and Chucky and all these, you know what? They carried something. And what they carried was a passion. Somebody say passion. He could come to the piano. This is where I end and this is where I close. If we love our city, then we must carry a passion. It is a compassion, a compassion that moves you. You know what the Greek word for compassion is? It's splaxna. Somebody say splaxna. Splaxna, translated to you and I, is where we get the word spleen. Compassion is splaxna. Splaxna is spleen. It's where you and I get the term from the hood or from the streets called guts. When you see that man, oh, that guy's got some guts. Goes to your spleen. Spleen to your splaxna. Splaxna is compassion. You want to have some guts? Show me some compassion. Don't tell me I fought 50 guys and I did. That didn't take guts. Matter of fact, I know a lot of stupid people that fought 50 people. Doesn't make them, oh, he's got guts. She's got guts. You know what it takes guts? It takes guts to stay, stand up and say, you know what? Some child porn ring? Not in my city. That takes guts. When everyone else is mouthing off and saying the dirtiest jokes that you've ever heard of all your life, standing up and saying, hey, we don't do that here. That takes guts. When everyone else is going off and doing this and doing that, not only do you just sit there and say, well, at least I'm not doing it. No, that doesn't take guts. There's a lot of people that are at least. There's a lot of those. But who are the ones that are doing the most? See, if you love your city, then you'll do something.
It'll move you to compassion. Jesus said there are sheep that they're all around here and they don't have a shepherd. And he was moved with compassion. We're doing this I Heart My City. We're not doing the I Heart My City because it's a cool campaign. We're doing it because we're moved with compassion. Listen to me. This is my prayer. My prayer is, is that a check won't move you. But compassion will move you. Because if a check moves you, then a check will take you wherever. Here's more money. I'm going over there. Here's more money. I'm going over there. Listen, my friend, don't let money move you. Don't let money move you. You got to feel this deep. See, I can just share this, but I cannot make you internalize this. You have to internalize this. When he shared, come see this guy, Jesus. He's from Nazareth. Good as Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Come see this, man. There's some great things happening in Hayward. Hayward, I've never heard of it. Don't worry about Hayward. Don't worry about the city. There's something great happening inside of it that you got to come see. See, what he did is Philip was moved with compassion and told him, listen, don't take my word for it. Come and see. Compassion compels you. Come. See this. This Thursday, we are not going out there to bandage the brokenhearted. Saying, oh, I feel sorry for you. You've been hurting? Oh, here. Here's some water. Here, you need some, here's some food. I'll give you some food. Listen to it. This, this is, what I'm sharing with you right now is one of the biggest difference from our church and many other ministries. This is a big difference. Because our church we just don't talk about it. Our church, we just don't have cute campaigns. Our church doesn't make this just a ministry that we do it one time a year. Our church says, we don't want to talk about it. We're going to be about it. See, and this is where, as they say, the tire meets the road. This is where the tire meets the road, and it gets tough. Why does it get tough? Because you got jobs. you got children. You've got schedules. You got to take your kids to, uh, to karate. You got to take your kids to soccer. You got to do this. You got your husband. You got your wife. You got to feed. You got to put food on the table. I got to put the lights on. So you have a big old schedule. And so here, all of a sudden, you come to church and say, man, they want me to do more work? No, I'm not asking you to do any work. This isn't work. If you see it as work, it's going to be very tough for you. Because I shouldn't move you with work. This should move you with compassion. You should be moved with compassion. See, Jesus saw the sheep. Didn't care about where he was from. Listen to me. You're here this morning. Some of you, you're not even from Hayward. I'm not asking you where you're from. I'm asking you, where can you go? Where can you go? Can you go and reach the down and out? Oh, well, what about me? I'm, I'm all messed up. I don't have it all together. Your greatest weakness can become your greatest strength. I don't have it all together. It's okay. That kid, he didn't have a left arm, but he figured it out. He figured it out. Well, you know, I'm, my education is ninth grade. Say, at least you got nine grades ahead of somebody else. Who knows? Don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. Even if all you've got is a right arm, hey, that's all you need. That's all I need. Well, I, I, I don't speak that well. I can't. I've never grabbed a microphone. I'm not asking you to grab a microphone. I'm asking you to grab some compassion. Grab some compassion. There's some people out there 
that they need your hands. They need your voice. The Bible says, how will they know unless somebody is sent? How will they know unless somebody speaks? Somebody has to speak. I love my city. Do you love it enough to tell somebody that Jesus loves them? Do you love it enough? See, I, I understand the statistics. Whenever they talk about doing things like this, and when it comes to evangelism, they say that you, can't, you can never get 100% of effort. And I understand that. You can't get 100%. You know what I believe? I'll take 99.9%. I believe we can. You know why? Because that's how this church was built. This church was built on men and women that had jobs, had schedules, had children, had this. I fully understand. Now listen, this is very important. This is the, the, the crux of the message right here. In the I love my city, in the I heart my city, we have our code red, we have this campaign, and this is for two weeks. But when the two weeks is over, will you still be moved with compassion? Will you still be moved? I want to challenge you. The next time you see something that moves you, in other words, there's a homeless man, there's a homeless woman, there's a drug addict, there's a prostitute, that you wouldn't give them a Band-Aid, but you would do your best to say, you know what, what can I give you? What can I do? How can I meet that need? If you drink of this water, you will never go thirsty again. Eat of this bread, and you will never go hungry again. See, it's a spiritual thing. Listen to me, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. I know we got schedules. I understand we got schedules. All of us got schedules. Matter of fact, some of you are here right now, and you have to go home, and you got to go to sleep because you got to wake up early in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning just to go to work. This is a working city. I fully understand that. This is a city that works hard. We have people that are hard workers. We don't have lazy people in our church or even in our city. We don't have lazy folks. That's what I love about this city. However, we need to make sure that our spiritual, our spiritual understanding is not overmatched by our physical work. But we say, well, you know what? I have to do this. You're going to miss it all, church. You're going to miss it, and I don't want you to miss it. Don't miss what Christ and God is trying to do right here, right now. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. What good can come from Hayward? You heard a lot of these different people. You heard a lot of these different men and women. There's a lot of great things, but more than those actors, more than those singers, more than those professionals, more than all that, there's greatness even here in these pews. There's greatness that is happening in this home. There's greatness that is happening. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're here this morning, and you're saying, you know what? I want to be moved with compassion. Not just moved to come to church. Not just moved to put something in the bucket, but I want to be moved to break open chains, break off chains, break open lives. There's other men and women that are counting on my life to speak into their life. With every hand bowed and every eye closed, and you're here this morning, and you're saying, you know what? I got to move, man. I got to move. I got to move with the Spirit of God. I got to move with what God is saying. I don't want to get caught up with everything else, with the cares of the world. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? 
you don't get caught up, caught up. But you're saying, you know what, God, I want you to move me. Wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. With every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning, and if that's you and you're saying, you know what, I want to move with the Spirit of God. I want to move with that. Wherever I go, it doesn't matter. I may say I'm from Hayward. I may say I'm from Castro I may say I'm from San Leandro, but I'm not trying to give them San Leandro. I'm not trying to give them Hayward. I'm trying to give them the power of God. And wherever I go, I want them to see the power of God. Wherever, whatever city I go to, whatever country I go to, I want them to see the power of God of God inside of me, not the city, not the clothes I wear, not what is around me, but I want them to see the power of God that is inside of me. And if that's you here this morning, and you're saying, you know what, I want to move where the power of God wants me to move, I want you to stand up, slip out of your seat, come to this altar, and I want to pray with you here, wherever you go, whatever you do, that you would do with the power of God, with the hand of God, that you would know that it is God that is sending you, that it's God that is using you. Come on, victory outreach, that it is you. That it is you, that God is using you. No matter your weakness, no matter your background, no matter your struggle, that God wants to use you here this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we need you, Lord. 